The word of God today is from Acts 13, 42 through 52. And I am willing to bet that there is not a person here who has not experienced anything that is challenging or hard to deal with. Sometimes it's so easy to react, meaning it's so easy to answer a situation that, are, that comes to us, that challenges us, that creates difficulty and trial for our lives. It's so easy to react negatively. And it can be so hard to respond positively. When we look at this passage in verses 42 through 52, we see two groups of people, one responding, one reacting. And in this passage, we're going to be able to see what it looks like when a person responds positively. Why a person should respond positively. And how any of us sitting here today can respond positively to difficult situations, to unexpected trials. Let's take a look at this passage first and read it. I'll read it out loud. Follow along silently. Hear the word of God. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you, might, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God. What does it look like when we respond to a situation that can be trying. What, is, what does that look like? Now, in this particular passage, they're responding to the Word of God. When people respond to the Word of God, it's a good thing. Because people begin to see who God is, who they are in light of Him. But when people begin to react to the Word of God, meaning in a negative way, where they reject it, they close themselves off from the only hope that they have, not only in this life, but in the next. What does it look like when we respond to the Word of God? Well, I want to give you five things, five characteristics from this passage of what a person does, what it looks like when someone responds positively to God's Word. 
The first one is that there is a desire for the Word. There is a desire to read the Word of God. There's a desire to listen to the Word of God. There's a desire to interact with the Word of God. In verse 42, you see that people were begging that these words that Paul and Barnabas were speaking to them may be spoken again to them the next time, the next Sabbath. Not only is there a desire for the word, a hungering, so something that you want to ask yourself is, do you hunger for the word of God? Are there times in your life when you thirst for the word of God like you would thirst for water when you are parched? When you are hungry for the word of God like you would hunger for food? Um, there was a moment in my life, very young, I think I was in early middle school, when I came to a point, because I grew up as in a Christian home, I came to a point where I was like, I don't know if I want to be a Christian. And I had a bunch of Christian stuff. It's all dramatic when I think back on it, but back then it was very, it was very real. <laughs> and it was serious, but when I look back on it, it's like such a drama queen, right? And so there were all these, like, Bible... Uh, verses up, and I, I had a lot of Christian stuff in my room. And what I did was I tore it all up, and I threw it all away. I broke all my CDs and cassette tapes, yes. There were cassette tapes back then, right? Mixed Christian music cassette tapes that I got from people at church because they were so nice to make those mixtapes for me. I broke it, and I threw it all away. And I said, I don't know if I want to be a Christian anymore. And as far as why I did that, I'll, I'll save you the, the torment of listening to it. But I came to a point where I had to decide whether I wanted to continue or not. In that moment, when I was basically uh, leaning towards no longer identifying with Christianity, there was something in my heart and my mind that I just wanted to read the Word of God at that moment. I just wanted to read it. Um, and I've, I haven't felt that before up to that point. And to this day, I think it was the Holy Spirit working on my heart um, in a time where I was struggling with my faith. And I would say that the word that we see in verse 42, begging, would basically accurately describe what I was feeling at that time. There's a desire for the word. Not only that, there is a commitment to grace. So what does it look like when you respond to God's word? There's a desire for the word. There's a commitment to grace. In verse 43 you see that they were following Paul and Barnabas. So these people who listen to Paul and Barnabas give the word of God to them. They followed them. In other words, they were committed to going the path that they were going. There, were, there was a commitment to grace. It wasn't a commitment to Paul and Barnabas per se, but it was a commitment to what Paul and Barnabas was teaching. Because if you look in verse 43, it says, Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. They didn't tell them, continue following us, because we are at the center of this religion. 
Paul and Barnabas was saying, continue in the grace of God, which they saw that they themselves, even though they were the messengers, they themselves were under that same umbrella to continue in the grace of God. As much as they would urge these people to continue in the grace of God, they saw that they had to continue in the grace of God in the same way. <coughs> Excuse me. So there is a commitment <coughs> to grace. Some people define grace in this way. Some people define grace <coughs> as getting something that you don't deserve. Um, typically, this definition comes up when you compare grace and mercy. What's the difference between grace and mercy, God's grace and God's mercy? Typically, the definition that's given is that God's grace is getting something that you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting something that you do deserve, right? So what does that mean? Grace being defined as getting something that you don't deserve is God's favor. God favors you. You did nothing to deserve that. You got something that you didn't deserve, that you didn't earn. Mercy is not getting something that you do deserve. In other words, God's judgment. When God has mercy on you, he forgives you of your sin, and he doesn't punish you for it. Even though you deserve punishment for your sin, he punished Jesus Christ. So typically that definition is given when understanding the difference between grace and mercy. But the thing is, grace, if you define it that way, helps you understand it in, in comparison to mercy, but the definition is a little limited, and it puts the emphasis on the wrong place because it puts the emphasis upon the human being getting something from God, whereas grace is something that God does something for someone else. So the emphasis should be on God. So although the, although the definition is a good working definition that'll start you off in understanding the difference between grace and mercy, you have to have in the back of your mind that that definition is very human-centered because it's about getting. It's defined by the word getting instead of giving. God showing or giving favor to someone who has not, who's not worthy of it, right? So in that sense, just keep that in mind. But there is a commitment to grace. So there's a desire for the word, a commitment to grace. And when these people, when they were hearing the word of God and they were believing what Paul and Barnabas were saying, they were attracting others to the word as well. Because these people who heard the message that Paul and Barnabas were speaking, in the course of a week, Leading up to the next time that Paul and Barnabas spoke, it says in verse 44, almost the whole city gathered. So after they heard, they went about telling people about it, and they attracted more and more people. So almost the whole city gathered, and the word of the Lord was spreading. That means people were coming to listen to the word of God, to interact with the word of God more and more in verse 49. Not only that, someone who responds to the word is not only someone who, who has a desire for the word of God, who is committed to living by grace and in grace, they are attractional, they attract people to God's word, and they also take joy and pride in the word. It says in verse 48, they were rejoicing and glorifying the word. You see, 
This is very important because there are other moments in the New Testament where it says that glory was being given to the messenger as opposed to the message. And you see, when glory is given to the messenger, it's off. That's not where the, where the focus should be. It's not on the messenger, but it should be on the message, on the word itself. And this is one of the characteristics of people who respond well to the word of God is that they rejoice in and they take pride in the right thing, which is not themselves or some, peop some person or people group. It is they take joy and pride in the word. Not only that, they have an acceptance for harder truths. So they have a desire for the word, a commitment to grace. They attract others to the word so that when people come, they come because they want to listen to the word. They want to interact with the word and not just see a show or a spectacle. They take joy and pride in the word of God and they accept the harder truths. What are the harder truths? There are two that come up here. What's typically difficult for even people in our society today to swallow when it comes to the Bible? Well, typically, people don't like thinking about a God who sends people to hell, right? In other words, God's judgment is one truth that's hard to swallow. And secondly, people typically don't like thinking that someone else has control over them, that they have no choice or free will. And that points back to the doctrine of God's sovereignty. What is someone who responds to the word positively? What is a characteristic? They accept the harder truths of the, of the word of God. You see, in verse 51, Paul and Barnabas, once they saw that some of the Jews were working against them, it says they shook off the dust from their feet. Now, I don't know if you know, but when Jesus was alive on earth, he taught his disciples that in certain specific occasions to leave a city by shaking the dust from your sandals, from your feet. And that basically means that when a city refuses, when a, when a people group refuses to accept your message, the message, right, then they are free to ha let those people be in the judgment of God, meaning you are no longer responsible for their belief or disbelief. And that's hard to accept because we don't like thinking of a God so harsh, so full of judgment. And yet, even though God is a God of love, he's a God of grace, he's a God of mercy, he is also a God of truth, and he is a God of judgment. In Matthew 10, verses 14 through 15, Jesus said, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Okay? Meaning, if anyone rejects the gospel, okay, if anyone continues, stubbornly rejects the gospel, they will be shown less 
mercy than Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? Which Sodom and Gomorrah is considered the pinnacle of evil when it comes to urban living, right, in, in the ancient world. Now, here's the thing. It's very difficult to accept this. How can a God who is love, how can a God who shows grace and mercy, how can he say to shake the dust off from your feet and just leave them to God's judgment? It's a very difficult question to answer. And I'm not going to do it now. Maybe someday in our series there may be time for that. But the point of this passage is not to explain how God's judgment is coherent with his grace and mercy. The point of this passage is to demonstrate what a person who is responding to the gospel truth looks like. And they are willing to take on harder truths, right? If you compare this with someone who is willing to make a sacrifice because of their love for someone else, people will be willing to accept harder truths in order to commit to a relationship to that person. That is exactly what's happening here. Okay? If you love anyone, if you are committed to anyone, you would be willing, if they had some debt, if they were physically, if they were involved in some collision and they were physically altered, their appearance was altered, right? If they had a lot of baggage, you would be willing, if you really love that person, you would be willing to accept those realities into your life and bear his or her burdens with them in order to continue in a loving, close, intimate relationship with that person, right? This is what's happening here, and that's, that's, that's the point I want to point out to you, is that the point is not to rationalize this. The point is to show that this is what it looks like when you have a loving relationship, a genuine relationship with the Lord. That's what it looks like. You are willing to accept the harder truths. The second one, after God's judgment, is God's sovereignty, right? They were urging them to continue in the grace of God in verse 43. And in verse 47, it says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles. Meaning, he's talking to the Jews, and he's saying, and he's quoting Isaiah here, and he's saying that God chose the Jews to be the God of the Jews so that the Jewish nation can be a light to the Gentiles. Meaning, so that the Jews can bring that saving message of the gospel to the non-Jews. And it says in verse 48, As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Okay? That's a very difficult statement there. I get it. As many as were appointed by God to have eternal life, those people who were appointed to have eternal life, they believed. That's what it's saying. Now, if you are an analytical reader, you will see that basically what this verse is saying is that God chooses certain people to be saved and only those people become saved. Okay? That's what it's saying. But, he, but 
at the same time in verse 43, Paul and Barnabas were urging them to continue in the grace of God. Now, again, the point of today's sermon is not to explain and rationalize these truths, like judgment and sovereignty. But the point is that if you are responding to the word of God, and if you want that relationship with God, right, there are certain harder truths that you will be willing to accept because you know that he loves you and that you love him, right? And that's what I want to point out to you. Now, the point is, so let me review. What does it look like when a person positively responds to the word of God? They have a desire for the word. They, have, they are committed to grace. They attract others to the word. They, ha- they take joy and pride in the word, and they are willing to accept the harder truths of God's word, like God's judgment and his sovereignty. Now, why should we respond this way? Why should we respond this way? Well, the answer is singular in this passage. The answer is that it's because of grace. Meaning, getting something you don't deserve or God showing the favor that you, that you never earned. Meaning, because God has committed to be in a relationship with you, it is worth responding in this way. It is not only worth responding in this way, but this will be the natural response that will come from a heart that understands this grace. Right? How can it be done? There are two things that this passage shows us when it comes to responding to the Word of God in this way. If you struggle with any of these, right? If you struggle with accepting the harder truths of the Bible, if you struggle with finding joy and pride in things other than the Word of God, if you struggle with attracting people to yourself instead of to the Word, if you struggle with not committing to the grace of God, if you struggle with not even having a desire for the Word of God, the way that it can be done It's not done by use by some special ingredient. That's what I want to tell you. There is no special ingredient to make you this way. Okay? There is nothing that you can strategize to guarantee that you will be like this. But Paul, when he described spreading the faith to people, he says that he planted, and his fellow co-worker, Apollos, he watered. But God gave the growth. So what that means is, you can make the ground fertile for God to grow faith in you. So you can plant the seed, and you can water the ground, but it's God who gives the growth. So how can you cultivate a life where you can find these characteristics in yourself, If not now, then eventually. You have to continue interacting with the Word of God. Paul urged them to continue in the grace of God. That means, just like, okay, it's one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to work out more these days, okay? So I made a schedule. I'm trying to commit to it, right? I'm trying to commit to eating healthier. Yesterday, I didn't have anything processed. 
Oh wait, last night I did one thing. But that was pasta, right? Late at night. I'm trying to commit to eating healthier, right? Um, what you want to do is you want to commit to interacting with the Word of God, right? You want to commit to it. That means it's not going to be when you just feel like it, right? Sometimes I have to work out even though I don't feel like it. Sometimes I have to eat healthy when I don't feel like it, right? You have to commit to the Word of God. That's making it fertile. You have to water and you have to plant. Next, you have to fellowship with other believers, okay? Some people leave this out. Some people think that all you have to do to, re to have this vibrant faith life or this spirituality, this rich spirituality, is to just think about spiritual things or to interact with spiritual books. But you need fellowship with other believers. One of the things that other believers do for you, right? Say, well, let's say you're one of the people who you're like an encyclopedia, okay? You have the brain of an encyclopedia. You have the body of Michael Phelps. Okay? Um, you have the will, right, of Steve Jobs, right? You have all of it. What do you need from people that you can't make for yourself? Well, every person has blind spots, okay? Every person has blind spots. And in order to identify and address those blind spots, you need someone else in your life, okay? You need other people to address those points in your life that are not, that you're overlooking that are not in alignment with the Word of God, right? That's how it's done, okay? Sometimes you're going to have to wait long. Sometimes it'll come immediately, right? But it'll come. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the growth, right? You have to make the ground fertile with the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit can come and work. You have to be in a, you have to have relationships and connections and a group where people are all seeking the grace of God, are all committing to the grace of God, who have a desire for the Word of God, who take pride in the Word, who accept, who are willing to not just off dis be dismissive about the harder truths of the Bible, but are willing to analyze it, to study it, to look into it, for, to, to have the humility and say, the Bible says this, I really can't agree with it right now, but I, I don't know enough. I want to know more, right? I want to study it more. I want to see what I'm not seeing, right? How does an intelligent person um, who or someone with a lot of experience, how does that person accept something so difficult for me to accept? How did they come to that point, right? C.S. Lewis, for the longest time, was not a Christian. I remember in college, I was reading um, articles by C.S. Lewis before he became a Christian, right? And then through interaction with the Word, the Holy Spirit worked upon his heart, and he became a Christian at a mature age in his life. Right? And the philosophical community that knew C.S. Lewis before he was a Christian, they, they were like, you know, it's really sad to see such a brilliant mind fall to religion. Right? Um, 
he had that. He had the interaction with the Word of God. He had people who were speaking truth into his life, who were also seeking the Word of God and being cultivated in the Word of God. He needed that for the Holy Spirit to work in his life. What does it mean to respond? As far as reacting, we'll look at that next Sunday. To respond to the Word of God, it comes down to the Word of God and the fellowship of the believers. That's what we need. Okay? And it has to be in that context that growth will come. The Word of God committing to grace and being cultivated and by the fellowship of people around you who are also seeking the same thing. Right? That's how we grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into what it means to respond to the Word of God, would you not work in our hearts so that we would center not upon emotions, not upon experiences, but upon the Word itself, to have a desire for the Word, to commit to a life that is lived in grace, where such a life will attract others, as we continue to take pride and joy, not in ourselves, but in the Word. And as we grow and as we deal with the harder truths of the Bible, things like your judgment and your sovereignty over people, God, would you give the growth? Help us to understand that faith is a gift from God. So grant us the strength and the will to make fertile our hearts so that we would be ready to receive the word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me as we sing our response.